0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Association Leadership Radio. Now, here's your host.
1: Lee Cantor here, another episode of Association Leadership Radio, and this is going to be a fun one. Today on the show, we have Mike Stark with the Association of the Wall and Ceiling Industry. Welcome, Mike.
0: Thank you, Lee. Appreciate you having me on.
1: Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to, but but before we get started, tell us a little bit about um, AWCI. How are you serving folks?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So our association has been around since 1918. Uh, We represent uh, wall and ceiling contractors, manufacturers, and distributors uh, all throughout the United States and uh, outside the United States as well. And uh, as a National Trade Association, uh, we certainly provide networking opportunities and and media opportunities through our magazine and other avenues. Uh, We have education programs, provide some uh, technical expertise uh, as far as codes and standards in the wall and ceiling space, and also have recently engaged uh, uh, more in the uh, safety and health arena, uh, particularly for wall and ceiling contractors. And how long have you been um, leading this
1: association?
0: Yeah, so I joined AWCI in uh, September 2019, so uh, approaching three years.
1: So the timing, a um, little tricky, huh? The, <laughs> the the you got there just uh, in time for it to have a pandemic hit. So um, yeah, that that, that was must have been fun. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that was not a job description, but uh, you're correct. I started about about six months before uh, the entire world shut down. Uh, in around uh, March 2020 there. And uh, I came aboard uh, my predecessor, uh, retired and, and was here for uh, uh, about 24 years as, as CEO of this organization. So uh, his timing was great and my timing was interesting, but uh, here we're, uh, we're still standing.
1: So now let's dive into both of those things separately, because it's one thing to uh, replace somebody who maybe had a term of a few years, but somebody who's been around for you know two decades, that's um, pretty entrenched in uh, in a leadership position. And then to have to follow that. How was that something you were um, excited about or was that some uh, apprehension about doing something like that?
0: Well, you know, it's it's a little mix of both. I mean, I, as I came aboard, you know, it was a very stable, well-established organization, so that was that was good. You know, when I when I took on the role, you know, I wasn't coming into a train wreck of a group. It was very stable and uh, you know just a solid organization. So that was certainly uh, comforting to walk into that. Uh, that being said, you know, I did not want to come into the role and just keep the trains running on time, kind of keep the status quo for the next number of years. I uh, wanted to assess things and take on new things. So, you know, what's great is the leadership of the organization, board of directors, executive committee, you know, they had that vision as well. I'll bring in our new CEO. So they gave me, uh, you know, quite a bit of runway to, to try some things and do some new things. But, you know, certainly wasn't easy and even uh, to this day uh, isn't completely easy as far as you know, trying to, you know, not change everything. Uh, certainly don't change for the sake of change. Um, but you know, have the ability to try some new things and, you know, we had a, a very solid staff here, but a, a lot of staff who had been here a long time. So of course, they're getting used to a new guy. I'm getting used to them. And, uh, you know, I obviously have some different approaches to things as my predecessor, uh, doesn't make that, you know, better or worse, but just different. So, uh, know all in all things have gone smoothly but yeah certainly uh uh some challenges here and there on just changing culture changing process changing approach
1: now in some ways did having gone through the pandemic uh make this transition a little bit smoother in the sense i know it was difficult for everybody but just the fact that there's this major global change so that we have to change like there's no you know, like that. This is non-negotiable. We have to adjust and make some changes. We can't do things as we've done them for, you know, while we have a pandemic happening.
0: No, I think that's uh, that, that's a good way to put it, where, you know, no one would wish, of course, a global pandemic for any of us. But, you know, I guess I, I was supported by the fact that, you know, AWCI wasn't just dealing with that. I wasn't just dealing with that. Every organization, nonprofit, for-profit uh, around the globe was dealing with the pandemic. So, you know, there wasn't a playbook for us to follow, but, you know, we just figured it out uh, along with other groups. Uh, certainly kept my eyes and ears open on what other other associations were doing, uh, whether it's, you know, meetings, member communications, COVID protocols, that kind of thing. So, so that was good. And, you know, I do joke with, with our members, you know, my honeymoon as the new guy was probably extended, uh, a bit, right. You know, that honeymoon can be short or it can be a year. Uh, every position is different, but you know, we, we were in some form of triage trying to navigate uh, the ins and outs of, of COVID. So, uh, you know, I think in that way, uh, it did make it a little easier that, Hey, you know, Mike and his team at AWCI are, are dealing with this thing as, as our members are, and, uh, probably didn't have as much pressure in some other areas, um, at that point. So, uh, um, yeah, we, we negotiated that well. And, you know, I always kept in mind that, you know, our members, they're dealing with these things uh, the same we are. So, uh, you know, we're all kind of in the same boat.
1: Now, um, when the pandemic hit, obviously that impacted, I would imagine, how you did some in real life events and uh, conferences and conventions and things like that. Have you come out of that? Have you kind of gone on and started, you know, getting back together and meeting in person again?
0: Absolutely. So, you know, the initial impacts were, um, you know, of course, I had a whole slate of travel, you know, get to know the members, get to know the chapters planned for 2020. And, you know, that came to a screeching halt. So that that slowed down, I guess, uh, a little bit, just my, uh, you know, my ability to, to, you know, put names with faces a little bit. Um, but, yeah, certainly getting back to that, uh, um, you know, currently uh, I'm on travel next week. I'll see several members and chapters uh, out in Arizona, so uh, that'll be great. Um In March 2020, we had our national convention and trade show planned in March 2020. And if it had been two weeks earlier, we would have gotten it in under the wire, but it was not. So uh, about a week or so before the event, we had to cancel it. Uh, we were supposed to be in Las Vegas in you know, mid-March uh, of 2020 had to cancel that. And, you know, no one wanted to have to do that. Of course, it was kind of the no brainer, the right decision. Las Vegas shut down a couple of days after we canceled. And fortunately we, we did come out of that. Well, uh, from my financial aspect uh, meetings and conferences are about 30% of our, our revenue stream. So certainly consequential in that regard. Uh, but we did have a, uh, favorable insurance policy uh, for events and uh, infectious diseases at the time. So at the end of the day, we came out of that uh, financially whole, which was great. Uh, Obviously, missed seeing people. And I just literally had our our convention and trade show in in Dallas, uh, right outside of Dallas a couple of weeks ago. And that was my first one. Uh, I've been on the job almost three years, but that was my first event because we canceled in 2020 and had to cancel again in 2021.
1: Yeah. So that must have been an exciting time, though, for you to go in the first time to see everybody in person. And there was probably a, a kind of a great enthusiasm to meet again all together.
0: There really was. You know, I I, I I keep using the line. You know, everyone was in a good mood walking in the door, you know, at our convention and, and expo a couple of weeks ago, which, which helps. Right. They were in a good mood coming in the door. I think we we put together an outstanding event and kept them uh, in a good mood and kept them engaged. Uh, our attendance was in the neighborhood of pre-COVID levels, which surprised me, frankly. Uh, our trade show uh, was sold out. We literally had no more space to sell it out at the Gaylord Texan outside of Dallas. So, uh, you know, it was a win across the board. And some people were like, oh, you're the new guy. And I'm like, well. Yes and no.
1: <laughs> right. That three-year-old new guy.
0: Convention. Yeah, it's my first convention, but I'm two and a half years into the
1: job. Yeah, that, that's like a time warp happened. <laughs> right. Um, now, has it been difficult um, kind of continuing to push the value to the members when you are going from a, you know, a lot of our value was these in-person stuff, and now we haven't done that, now we're getting back to that. Have the members kind of come along for this ride and are now hungry for that in-person kind of interactions, or you're having to come up with creative ways to just keep enhancing the the membership value?
0: Yeah, so it's, you know, my biggest concern, frankly, during all of COVID and, and even still, you know, certainly the financial uh, implications of canceled events and things of that nature. But it was really, are we going to lose the momentum? Are we going to lose the engagement Do members say, hey, we haven't met in person in two years, but, you know, no big deal. <laughs> you know, my company's doing fine. And, you know, uh, is that necessary again? Uh, so I hope our recent convention was, you know, not an anomaly and really shows that, that people want to get back together. You know, I think our industry, again, the construction industry, contractors, manufacturers, uh, suppliers, like a lot of industries, it's a a people business. You know, it really is. And all the Zoom meetings in the world and all the webinars we can crank out, they have their place. But I really don't see it replacing that that in-person contact. Uh, I, I really don't, at least not for our industry. Uh, we've certainly you know done more webinars, you know some of our committees that used to meet in person. okay, we we learned they can do it over Zoom. Uh, and you know some of those things are, I guess positives uh, that came out of all this. But I think the in person uh, will continue to be important uh, for for our members and our organization. But you know it doesn't mean, okay, great, you know we can just keep going how we were going. I think, you know, that member value proposition is something we always need to look at and uh, you know, want to use the past couple of years and the challenges we faced as, you know, that springboard to to try some new things and, and make sure we are engaging the members and don't just hang our hat on, you know, a convention in the spring and a fall conference in the fall as those touch points.
1: So now that you've been about three years into this, is it um you feel like kind of now you've got that balance of this is the way we used to be this is where I kind of see us growing into are you um kind of uh, having that um vision kind of come to life now
0: Yeah no we we definitely you know some of the things we've talked about and of course some of it was you know we were stopping and starting right you know it's like okay we're going to we're going to mix up some things for the convention and and try this and that and then and then we canceled you know, and then a year goes by. So now we've got one of those uh, under our belt, under my belt. Uh, We saw some things that work, some things that that maybe weren't a home run, and and we can adjust moving forward. But it is good to see some of the conceptual things that the team and I here, our volunteer leadership, had talked about come to fruition. You know, we're seeing uh, we've increased our, our marketing, gotten smarter about how we communicate with our members. We're seeing higher attendance in webinars. So great. They're not the best kept secret anymore. Uh, so that's a nice metric to see. Uh, we've gotten good feedback from our, our recent event. We have an event this coming fall. We're going to try some new things and, and see how that goes. But yeah, it is certainly nice to, you know, you have a lot of great conversations and you whiteboard some things. It, it's, uh, you know, refreshing, I guess, to, to see some of those things actually put into practice. And then, you know, move forward and and, uh, make them better next time.
1: Now, having replaced somebody that was in the role for so long, does does it is it hard to attract young people or younger people uh, into the association? Is that something that's important for the growth of the organization to keep kind of refreshing it and keeping it, um, you know, with a more kind of... uh, representative group of all of the people that are in the industry?
0: It is essential to this organization and it, it is front and center of almost everything we do. And it, you know, it's that balance, right? We, we don't want somebody who's been active in the organization. Maybe they're a past president, maybe they're not, but you know, them and their company have been involved forever. We don't want them to feel like there's not a place for them anymore. You know, that would be, you know, a disastrous misstep, but I think we can do both where, you know, embracing those long term individuals and companies, but also having programming, uh, paying proper attention to what we call the emerging leaders. And we created an emerging leaders group about two years ago. Um, probably should have done it even earlier, but be that as it may, uh, created this group and for the first time at our recent uh, convention, had programming specific to them and have, actually have set up, um, I'll call it a class where we had people sign up. And, you know, we made a commitment to them. They made a commitment to be part of our Emerging Leaders program and and making it almost like a class. So you move forward uh, over a year's time and beyond with your class, basically, as an Emerging Leader. And, uh, you know, we want them to go on site visits. We want them to interact with experienced leaders uh, to learn from as well. So, you know, I've had a lot of our members who have been stalwarts saying, hey, you know, I'm within five years of retiring here. Um, and that's scary in one regard, but we want to make sure we don't wake up one day and all of our most dedicated members are retired. And, you know, we haven't backfilled that with uh, a, a new crop, crop of leaders in our industry and in our association. So it's, it's critical to basically everything we're doing right now.
1: Yeah, I think that's a a really great and powerful statement you're making to and I think that it serves all of the members though cuz you're now having a place for this emerging leader to learn and grow and then also there's a place for that seasoned veteran that's able to share their knowledge and have a legacy and seeing the impact of their all their work being, you know, staying alive in the group and you don't have that brain drain like you were saying that you know, that all this history and legacy leaves and then there's people don't know kind of where they were and what uh, has already, what mistakes have already been made, you know?
0: No, that's right. No, I think it's that kind of, you know, we don't have a quote formal mentor program, but I think, you know, emerging leaders, um, you know, those kind of, you know, under 40, although we don't, we don't put a, we don't put an age on our our program at all, but you know to hear from others outside of their, their region uh, or, or their market or within their company to hear from others on some pitfalls and some successes, maybe that individuals made in their career, uh, within their business as well. And, uh, yeah, just trying to, you know, and some of this is self-preservation for the association as well. Right. You know, it's not only the industry, but, uh, we want to make, you know, start to identify the next committee chair who maybe becomes the next officer becomes the next president as well. And, just one thing i would like to mention you know we're we're, we're just starting to kick around an idea um, and it's just really conceptual at this point of you know those individuals um, who you know they're, they're still in the industry uh, they may be close to retiring maybe they're a past president of the group maybe they're not but you know and even once they retire from their company but they still want to be involved on some level they still want to contribute we're kicking around hey can we have a group of some sort that is there as an advice, you know, an advisory capacity, a guidance capacity, a mentor capacity? You know, maybe they're retired, but they still have knowledge and experiences to share. Can we have a home for those individuals? So we're kicking around that idea a little bit as well.
1: Yeah, I think it's great to get all the generations involved. Like, why would you kind of? Not be open to having a place for them. I mean, they've they've learned so much. They were part of it for so long. Why would you not want their just their opinions or thoughts about things like? It's, I think people want to be heard, and especially as your career is winding down, you want to know that, hey, I left a mark, there is ripples from the work that I'm doing, and I have things to share, and I can you know, maybe help somebody else not go through some of the stuff that I had to go through. I think everybody wins uh, in that sense. Absolutely. So it's exciting times for you. Is there um, any advice you would give? Let's talk about somebody, if you're replacing somebody that has been around for as long as your predecessor had, is there any advice like do's or don'ts that you can say, you know what, I wish I would have done this or, you know, this went really well. Is there some um, ways to do that kind of a handoff in a way that uh, you think you can help somebody else down the road?
0: Sure. Yeah. You know, I came in and, and, you know, this was my first, I've I've been in the association space and and particularly the construction trade association space on a national level for 22 years now, but this was my first uh, CEO opportunity. So, you know, like a lot of jobs, you you don't know what you don't know. Uh, I knew I was qualified for it and prepared for it, but until you actually sit in the chair, so to speak, um, you know, there's some on the job training there. So I really went out of my way with our staff and we've got about uh, you know 11, uh, 11 staff here to just to listen, you know, to be co- a collaborative leader and, you know, easier said than done. But, you know, no one needs to be reminded that the CEO has a final decision making authority that kind of goes unsaid. So, OK, you know, everyone knows that you don't really need to remind your staff of that. But I wanted to hear from these individuals, you know, they They have experiences and expertise that I don't have in their particular areas. They have been with the organization for longer than I had. I just walked in the door. So I wanted to hear from them and I wanted them, and I said this time and time again, you know, to be clear that their voices were valuable, whether they had been here 30 years or three months, whether they were a coordinator or a senior director, I I didn't really care what, what their title was. Um, you know, all voices were important. Uh, and that, you know, I wanted to hear from them on what's good, what's bad, what works, what doesn't work and and ideas they have. You know, I always like the the quote, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the you're in the wrong room. And uh, so I really just tried to listen. I think that was received very well from the team. And, you know, that's a continuous approach, right? That's not just me as the new guy trying to get on the good side of the team. That's uh you know, that's something I try to do every day. So there's that as well. And, uh, you know, with our members, just trying to hear from them, you know, I've got 20 plus years experience in the construction association space, yet I'm not a contractor. I'm not in the field. Uh, again, I don't know what I don't know in that regard. So just trying to hear from the membership on some new approaches and, and all of that, and, and also to share, you know, my experiences and try some new things. Um, so I just didn't want to come in and kind of the new sheriff in town uh, approach and we're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing this and, you know, not do the listening part. So I, I think that uh, was essential to some success that the organization is seeing.
1: So um, have you been able to kind of see some, maybe some of the sprouts of your efforts that things are now Kind of bubbling up, and you're seeing, hey, this is this really has a chance to be successful over here, or this is something that I think is starting to get traction.
0: Yeah, no, and you know we we made a lot of changes here, some some small, you know, some were just, you know, the organization when I came in, again, very solid and stable, as I mentioned, but you know there were some things that, in my opinion, were were kind of dated, and you know some of this was low hanging fruit stuff, uh, you know, some of it was larger. Uh, on, on, uh, things, but I, our leadership wanted a fresh approach. They wanted a new set of eyes. And, and I really stressed to, to my team here for them to be part of that. And, you know, I, I still stress to them, you know, if all the new ideas, the questions, uh, the analysis is coming from my office, that something's fundamentally wrong. It shouldn't just be from me or, or from my position simply because of my title. So, but to your question, you know, we, we have seen some new things. Uh, I mentioned the emerging leaders growth there. That is now happening uh, after, you know, conceptual talks for a year and a half and COVID pumping the brakes on that a little bit. Uh, we hired a director of, of safety, health, and risk management. You know, that was a void that, that I saw and some of our leaders saw in this organization. You know, everyone says safety and health is their number one thing, and they should say that. But as a national trade association, we weren't talking about that issue, uh, you know. And if we're not talking about it as a representative of the industry, why not? Uh, it's so essential and impacts every single one of our members. So we now have somebody who's dedicated to that role and are doing a lot more there. So, um, yeah, we're seeing some new things uh, and, and, again, seeing things actually happening which is great to see, and uh, you know the key I think for any of us and any business, any association, is just not to get complacent. You know, you do an annual report each year, and you know you you you, you, you uh, pound your own drum there a little bit, and you should, and um, you know highlight your successes, but that we don't get complacent and you know try to push the envelope, and we'll continue to do that.
1: So, what do you need more of? How can we help?
0: Yeah, so, you know, it's it's really just, you know, in this role, and I think it was smart where I tried to, you know, make sure uh, I didn't get over my skis or, or my ego got in the way of, you know, listening to other associations, uh, listening to other CEOs, listening to other groups, and proactively reaching out. And we've done that in various places to hear what they've done, to learn their lessons learned on the good and the bad. Um you know, so it's really just, you know, whether it's it's broadcast like this or uh, resources through ASAE or, or just any other avenue for particularly leaders in the nonprofit sector, because, you know, we are unique uh, as associations in a lot of ways, but just, uh, you know, as many resources that are out there on, you know, what's the future of trade shows, what do association CEOs need to learn, you know, how to best... Uh, supervise and manage people, you know, which is always a a challenge at times for those and usually an area where none of us have had really formal training. Um, So, you know, I think we've been smart about, you know, proactively reaching out to other groups. Hey, you know, what are you doing with webinars? Uh, We hired somebody to do a communications audit uh, of our organization. So a third party could really, you know, we're all too close to it a third party could really analyze what we're doing well and what could be improved. Uh, so, um, yeah, just really the availability of those resources to anyone up and down, um, you know, the staff list for an association are are really invaluable because we're all facing very similar things.
1: Well, if somebody wants to learn more about your work, uh, what's the website?
0: Yeah. So our organization, uh, awci.org, Uh, is a organization website and we've got about 2,400 members uh, around the country 16 chapters 15 in the United States uh, one in Canada and uh, you know we uh, filter things through our website like everyone else does we're doing a lot more on social media uh, between uh, Twitter certainly and and LinkedIn and Facebook Uh, we've hired somebody to to really hone that in uh, for our organization. So a lot more on that as well. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're certainly in, in growth mode and I think our members are as well. And it's been helpful for us as an organization that, uh, you know, even during the, the, the heart of COVID construction was largely deemed essential, uh, as it should be, uh, even, even in the middle of COVID. So that's been helpful for our members, uh, and, and our association as well. But, uh, yeah, doing a lot of great things and, and looking to hear what other groups are doing as well.
1: Well, congratulations on all the success. Uh, you're doing important work and we appreciate you.
0: Thank you, Lee. No, I appreciate uh, uh, being a part of this and uh, and all the work that you do uh, highlighting uh, the association industry. Thank you very much.
1: All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Association Leadership Radio.